Around the fourth week of a six-week program, uh, a couple stayed behind, and the guy indicated that this is the first time he had been in a Catholic church in over 40 years. They ended up recommending this same marriage program to their daughter who was getting married. And this from a couple who up until then had not set foot in a Catholic church in literally decades. Hey everybody, welcome to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines each week. I'm your host and CNA Editor-in-Chief J.D. Flynn. This week, I'm going to take kind of a back seat and let one of our writers, Mary Farrow, take the lead in telling you a really interesting story. Mary, take it away. Hey, everyone. If you're a regular listener, you might know that I got married earlier this year. You also might know that Kate, the executive producer of this podcast, got married last weekend, and our other producer, Jonah, is getting married in December. Well, now in light of that, I want to talk about divorce. No, not that I'm getting divorced. Marriage has been awesome so far, but it's the 50th anniversary of no-fault divorce in the United States, and I want to talk about it. So, in case you don't know, it used to be that the only legal way spouses could seek divorce in the United States was if one of the spouses was at fault. Desertion, adultery, imprisonment, or cruelty. In 1969, California became the first state to legalize no-fault divorces. Marriages could just end because one or both spouses wanted it to. No further explanation was needed. Almost every state now recognizes a spouse's right to a no-fault divorce. Studies show that marriage instability in a child's life can affect everything from their mental well-being to their performance in school or their social mobility later in life. But I'm not here to talk about bad news. In fact, I have some really good news for you. I want to tell you about how the divorce rates in one county in Florida, over the course of just two years, dropped by a whopping 28%. It was thanks in large part to the churches in the area through a program called the Culture of Freedom Initiative, or COFI. This week on CNA Newsroom, we'll take a deep dive into how they did it. Stay tuned. You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. Welcome to CNA Newsroom. The results that the Kofi Project saw in Duval County, Florida, were pretty striking. The researchers started measuring the year before the project started and found that between the years of 2015 and 2017, the divorce rate dropped by nearly 30%. And this happened in a county that includes the city of Jacksonville, a city that, in 2014, was declared one of the worst cities in the country for divorce rates by a men's health survey. That 28% decrease in two years was the most precipitous drop of almost anywhere in the United States at the time. Divorce rates dropped by only 10% in comparable counties of a similar size and population makeup, and only 6% in other Florida counties. The origin story of the entire project is wrapped up in sort of my, uh, bit of my own journey. That's J.P. DeGantz. At the time, he was the executive vice president of a group called the Philanthropy Roundtable. He's a Catholic husband and father, and he was working in politics in D.C. before he started Kofi. Like so many of us, I had come to Washington with the idea of trying to fix the country by focusing on politics, and that just became more and more clear that that wasn't really a winning strategy. 
I remember meeting with a, a business guy from Texas who told me, yeah, you know, trying to change the country by focusing on politics is a little bit like trying to change the weather by playing with a thermometer. It was his frustration with politics, as well as a personal experience within his family, that made JP decide to change gears and focus on family stability. On a personal level, it became important to me. Uh, my, my, uh, I think it was 11 years ago now, a little over 11 years ago, uh, my sister's marriage was failing, and um, she was in a really bad spot and asked us to take in her kids, and there were four of them, um, a 10, 11, 14, and 15-year-old, two boys, two girls, and we had three kids of our own at the time, and uh, it ended up being a longer-term, a long-term situation, and um, really understood in a personal way how much family breakdown impacts kids, and, and so it just became really a lot more personal to me. JP said he started to realize that if he wanted to change the culture, he had to start with the family. These big uh, cultural issues of, of marriage, you know, family stability, going to church regularly, these were much bigger issues that drove a lot of factors in our society. And so that we, it became clear to me that there's just things that are a lot more important in our in our world than, than um, politics. After a series of trials and errors, JP and his collaborators decided to narrowly focus the project on marriage stability in Duval County. It's mostly Catholic and Baptist, and it's in the Diocese of St. Augustine. And in Jacksonville, we had a fab, uh, fabulous couple local partners. They just said, "Look, uh, we're just going to focus on divorce. That we're gonna do everything is just going to focus on marital marriage stability." Over the course of three years, from 2016 to 2018, JP and his team of collaborators invested in marriage stability in Duval County by looking at data to determine which couples were most at risk for divorce and then by sending targeted marketing of marriage enrichment programs to those couples. And so what we did was we said, let's, let's create, uh, for instance, a model that was, would be predictive of whether or not someone is going to get divorced. That doesn't mean, I always tell people, this is not like Minority Report. It's not like the Department of Future Crime or anything. Like, this just means you're more likely that there's a heightened risk. You're actually using some data to inform your outreach to go to people who would fit into a higher propensity for divorce or likely to have a marriage in need. Some of the metrics that JP and his team uncovered might surprise you. Yeah, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. Um, uh, For instance, uh, just getting a a gym membership came up. Uh, Frequent purchase of um, TV dinners. Um, We thought, okay, well, they're not eating together. Increased expenditures in adventure tourism or theme park tourism was actually uh, one of them. Yeah, it's the composite of, of, of many of these things. Whatever the, the reason, you don't need to necessarily understand why. It's just that just happens to be the case that, it, that folks who engage in this behavior seem to have these 75 traits. Once Kofi had figured out the right people to market the programs to, they sent them targeted social media campaigns, encouraging them to attend marriage enrichment programs, mostly at churches. The subjects weren't necessarily already associated with a church or parish. So we just contracted with different firms 
to to create some models that they had never been asked to create before, which were ministry-specific models. Predictive analytics or big data is is nothing that obviously we invented. It's It's been around for quite some time. This data drove people to a website that linked to all kinds of marriage enrichment programs in the community, those happening at Protestant, Evangelical, or Catholic churches, as well as those at secular centers. In addition to data they were able to buy from credit rating agencies and other online sources, Kofi also used what's called first-party data, which means that churches working with Kofi polled the people in their pews about the state of their marriages. They then partnered with a non-denominational agency to help churches bolster their marriage enrichment programs. A quick aside, JP said for at least part of the project, they worked with community groups like the YMCA that ran secular marriage enrichment programs, but found that churches worked better for two reasons. First of all, they were better at fostering organic community. Uh, you know, the, the membership at the Y and the membership at the Boys and Girls Club don't, aren't as passionate about forming personal relationships with the people that come to their programs, and they're not uh, less likely to invite them into their homes and and have that kind of vulnerability that people in a church will want to have. And there's, so there's people at the church that are more wired around hospitality instinctively than at these other uh, these other local or you know secular entities of different sorts. The second reason. There was less stigma for couples about going to a church thing than there was about going to a secular marriage program. When you go as a couple to the Marriage Incorporated, when you're actually communicating to all your friends, is you're, or you're afraid of communicating to your friends, is, is my wife and I are having, we're struggling, that's why we're going to this thing. So when it came to enlisting the help of churches in the Kofi Project, JP partnered with Dennis Stoika of Live the Life Ministries, an organization dedicated to strengthening marriage and family. Hi Mary, this is Dennis, how are you today? He's a Catholic and the chairman of the board for Live the Life, and worked closely with Kofi to achieve its goals at the church level. Like JP, Dennis is also passionate about the work he does to strengthen marriages. And that passion came from some hard-earned personal experience. It really came out of a life experience that my first marriage failed. And then I accessed a Catholic divorce recovery program called Beginning Experience. And they asked me to join team, and then they asked me to lead the training for new team members. And as part of that, we were teaching communication skills. And one day leading a training, I said, you know, if my wife and I had known as married people, these skills that we're now teaching as part of divorce recovery, then we would not have had to get divorced. And that became kind of a, like a lifelong mission to say, we've got to get these programs out there so that other people don't have to suffer through an unnecessary divorce like I had. After partnering with Kofi, Dennis trained the teams that would work with both Catholic and Protestant churches in the area to strengthen their marriage enrichment programs. Um, I like to say that I'm bilingual, that I speak both Catholic and Protestant. Dennis said Catholics and Protestants have different vocabularies. Catholics like the word evangelization, for example, while Protestants will say evangelism, stuff like that. And just to be clear, Neither Dennis nor the Kofi Project was working to create new programming for marriage enrichment. Kofi's mentality on that was that plenty of programming already existed. It just wasn't being used to its fullest extent. So I was training the folks that live the life best how to communicate with the churches, how to communicate with the church leaders so that they could take on marriage ministry and then how to recruit a team at the church, like how to recruit volunteers, and then train the volunteers for the task and roles that they were needed. 
as well as the continued internal selling that's necessary at a church. Because a marriage ministry is new for most churches. That last part might surprise you. But think about the parish you attend. Probably a lot of you, if you're Catholic anyway, received marriage preparation classes at your church. But how many of you have received ongoing marriage and family formation and enrichment? If you have, you're lucky, because it turns out we're kind of bad at this. Protestants and Catholics alike. According to recent research from the Barna Group, 80% of evangelical churches and 82% of Catholic parishes reported spending 0% of their annual budget on marriage ministry. So what Dennis did was train teams to help churches create low barriers of entry for people to start coming to their marriage enrichment events. They held fun events like date nights to entice people in the door, and then they would lead them into deeper marriage ministry over time. When we do a date night, we really suggest that it be consist of three things. Number one, there has to be a fun element. We're calling it date night, so it's got to count as a date. Number two, we always want to teach them something that they can use. We don't want it to be just entertainment. We want it to also be able to add value to them. So they walk away saying, wow, that was not only fun, but I learned something that I'll be able to apply. And the third thing we try to design into the date nights is what I call an infomercial. So that is information about other marriage resources and programs, either at their church or in the community that they can access. And they also tried to fight the stigma that JP mentioned earlier, that marriage enrichment is somehow only for couples in crisis and not something couples should go through frequently. We believe that all couples ought to participate in a formal sort of marriage enrichment activity each and every year they're married life together. You don't only take your car in when it's been in an accident. Hopefully you take your car into a mechanic to do things like change the oil on a frequent basis. So it's the same sort of approach. Denise and Chuck Connor of Holy Spirit Catholic Church in Jacksonville were one of the many couples who went through a marriage enrichment program at the same time as the Kofi Project. Yes, I have you on speaker so my husband can hear. Yes, we can both hear you. Chuck is 63, Denise is 60, and they've been married for six years. So we're kind of like newlyweds, I guess. They're both relatively new to the area and are somewhat introverted. So um, it was a way to meet, you know, different people in that parish and get to know other people. One of the programs offered at Chuck and Denise's parish was called Adventures in Marriage, and it was their favorite. They said they learned a lot of practical communication tools that helped improve the communication in their marriage. One of them was called the Daily Temperature Reading. And this takes five minutes, maybe seven minutes. Um, You do this every day. What you do is you sit down, you face your partner, you hold hands and knees touching. Then they said you go over seven different check-in categories. Things like affirmations, check-ins, complaints, and requests for change, and apologies. I mean, you could be in a bad mood and your spouse doesn't know why, and then come to find out it's because you have something on your mind that you can't really quite figure out. And then by expressing it, now they know what's on your mind. Chuck and Denise became so invested in the marriage ministry at their parish that they're now volunteers for it, and they've offered to teach Adventures in Marriage. While they themselves said they didn't feel any negative stigma about signing up for marriage enrichment, they said they have noticed it now that they work in marriage ministry. They were at a ministry fair promoting marriage enrichment programs, and it was really hard to get people interested. 
almost like they're afraid to learn more about each other. Like, and if they do, they may have a little bit more work to do in their marriage. And I, I really think people are afraid of possibly knowing that their spouse is probably not as happy as what they think they are. Chuck and Denise said they've learned how crucial it is to place God and prayer at the center of their marriage. Nobody's marriage is perfect. And even if you do have a good marriage, there's always something that can be done to improve it because nobody has the perfect. So knowledge is a powerful thing. When we come back, can the results that the Kofi Project saw in Florida stand up to scrutiny? And can they be replicated? Stay with us. Hi, everyone. This is Christine Roussel. I'm one of CNA's DC correspondents. Unlike my boss, Ed Condon, I like many things. Bagels, cats, lighthouses, brightly patterned dresses, drinking rosé, going to Disney World, binging true crime shows until I fall asleep, and also trolling my colleagues. If you enjoy listening to CNA Newsroom and CNA Editor's Desk, you can subscribe to both shows and get them delivered straight to your phone as soon as they're posted. Just search on your favorite podcast app for CNA Newsroom, tap the subscribe button, and then do the same for CNA Editor's Desk. Both shows are available on Apple Podcast, Overcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more places where podcasts can be found. And now, back to the episode. The results that the Kofi Project saw were phenomenal. Again, between the years of 2015 and 2017, the divorce rate dropped by 28%. That was the most precipitous drop of almost anywhere in the United States at the time. The results were studied by Brad Wilcox, director of the National Marriage Project at the University of Virginia, and Spencer James, an assistant professor for the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. In their preliminary evaluation, they said, As family scholars, we have rarely seen changes of this size in family trends over such a short period of time. Although it is possible that some other factors besides Kofi's intervention also helped, we think this is unlikely. Most of the time, studies like this don't show much evidence of effectiveness, if we're being quite blunt. I talked with Spencer James about what he found. Spencer said that usually he prides himself on being able to tear down claims of studies like these. I... I can usually knock down any claims that a particular program has had an effect on the county level pretty easily. I kind of revel in my ability to do that. But for the Kofi Project, he couldn't do that, at least not easily. There's really something here. Um, It is the case that uh, divorce declined in Duval County more rapidly, again, A, than it had previously, and B, than it was in comparable counties. It's really, really hard for data scientists to prove causality. Was Kofi the main driver of this decrease? As, as the data person on the topic, I can't uh, really make a definitive statement on that, but it certainly is a possibility um, and a reasonable one that the Culture of Freedom initiative may have had an impact. Do we know that for sure? No, simply because that's almost impossible to know. We do know that the Culture of Freedom initiative invested a large amount of money in digital and other forms of marketing and that it reached a fairly wide number of people in Duval County that saw these ads. Uh, We also know that uh, the Culture of Freedom Initiative was able to build a large on-the-ground coalition, uh, particularly around local churches, to talk about the importance of marriage. Divorce is down overall in the United States since its peak in the 80s and 90s, Spencer said. 
though it's not declining at nearly the same rates that were seen in Duval County in those three years. Some reasons for the overall decline include people who are delaying marriage and are thus making a more considered choice when they do get married, Spencer said. More women in the workforce has also made a difference, he said, because women with economic freedom have the option to be choosier about marriage. A higher Hispanic population in the United States may also be a contributor because, as a culture, they tend to value marriage more. Education rates and poverty levels also have significant impacts on divorce rates. Spencer said he's not sure what replicating the Kofi model would look like in the rest of the country because there's some pretty unique factors in the Jacksonville area that may have helped the program work so well there. It's in the Bible Belt with pretty strong Baptist and Catholic congregations. Churches as institutions just generally garner more respect in the South than they would in, say, the Northwest. Churches don't necessarily play as prominent of a role in you know, say Oregon or Washington State than they do in Duval County. And so trying to work everything through churches uh, may not be as effective in more secular states than they are in the deeply religious states. J.P. DeGans believes so strongly in what Kofi did that he has since left Philanthropy Roundtable and founded Communio, an organization whose mission is essentially to replicate the Kofi project throughout the country specifically by working with churches to bolster and better market their marriage enrichment programs. You gotta draw people into an ex- into relationship, into a lower barrier of entry experiences where they can form trust and, and friendships, and then you can architect a, a ongoing ministry strategy to help them grow that will have that transformative impact on their marriage, delivered in a, in a face-to-face way through authentic personal relationships. JP said he already has a few places in the country that are in the beginning stages of working with Communio. I just can't tell you what those places are yet. Studies show that people are more likely to attend church if they are from stable families, and stable families help to create stable communities. Our family of origin has such a huge impact on whether or not we're even open to the gospel. And, um, and the church needs to take that really seriously. We need to stop behaving like it's 1958 and and not having and believing that the culture is reinforcing of marriage it no longer is uh, and it made sense in 1958 not to have any marriage ministry uh, it no longer does in 2019 I conducted at my own Catholic parish here in Panama City around the fourth week of a six-week program uh, a couple stayed behind and the guy indicated that this is the first time he had been in a Catholic church in over 40 years. That he used to be Catholic, but he had had a bad experience with the priest. It had nothing to do with clergy sexual abuse. It it had to do with he was treated brusquely, very brusquely, in a confession situation. And he decided, well then, I just don't need the Catholic church. And he walked away. And this was his first time back. It was interesting because his wife had never heard that story before. And after hearing the story, she said, well, now I understand why you've always been upset at the Catholic Church. That couple then invited a neighbor to the parish who was not going to church, and they also invited their daughter, who was about to get married, to go through the same marriage enrichment program. Marriage is, John Paul II in Familiaris Consortio said that it's our parents who are the first heralds of the gospel. And we're seeing in in our own research that, that that's completely the case. When a couple is intentional about about prioritizing their relationship 
amazing, amazing things happen. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Mary Farrow. So I mentioned a couple weeks ago on my other podcast, CNA Editor's Desk, that my wife Kate and I went on a marriage retreat. And I, I kind of told the story that when I told people we were going on a marriage retreat, they sort of instantly assumed that we were having kind of uh, maybe having a problem. And on the retreat, I talked to other couples who said that they had had that same reaction. And some of them kind of milked it. They uh, let their parents and friends make that presumption so they could get more babysitting out of it, which was, in my mind, pretty smart. But still, that stigma about um, taking care of your marriage, that idea that if you're working on your marriage, uh, there are problems and that there's a stigma surrounding the idea that there are problems can kind of cripple us. Guys, marriage is really, 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 really hard. So feed your marriage, take care of your marriage, and don't worry about what other people think. And if they think you're having problems, milk it for free babysitting. That's our show for this week. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. Our producers are Kate Oliveira, newly married, and Jonah McKeown. This is the first time that I've gotten to say Kate's new last name on the podcast, which is pretty great. Special thanks to J.P., Dennis, and Spencer James for joining us. Special thanks to Mary Farrow for her contribution on this episode, and Jonah McKeown for uh, taking uh, a lot of the production lead this week. And um, the script says, give your best piece of marriage advice. Don't take yourself too seriously. Anyway, we'll see you next week.